Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Icing the Ticker presented by WSU Sports. I am your host for this episode, John Height, joined alongside by the great Ryan Henry. We're going to talk about all things fantasy football. So as we're recording this on Tuesday, August the 8th, the first Hard Knocks episode with the New York Jets is airing. Preseason is about to be underway later this weekend. We already had the Hall of Fame game with the Jets and Browns, but there's so much to talk about as football season is starting to heat up now in the middle of August. So, Ryan, first off, how are you doing? I'm doing well, John. Uh, you know, always excited to talk about some football. You know, in my opinion, we're getting to <clears throat> the real apex of the calendar year. I'm a big fan of the fall. Uh, fall is my favorite time of year. Weather's great. You know, it's cool, but not like freezing. And it's you can still enjoy, you can still join us out. And then obviously you have a lot of things coming together. Football, uh, baseball's in the play, would be in the playoffs at this point. NBA, NHL starting up. You get some nice holidays. And especially for football right now, it's a really exciting time because, like you said, we finally got over the lull period of the post-draft offseason, and we're now, like, in the, you know, training camp. We had the Hall of Fame game, like you said. But also, even for not the football on, uh, you said it's a big week. You mentioned hard knocks, but also this week it's the Netflix documentary on Johnny Manziel. A couple weeks later, there's one on the Florida Gators, and I'm really interested to watch about And then there's one on – the famous Bishop Sycamore team from two or three years ago, the whole high school scam football team. So there's going to be a lot of programs to watch. Also quarterback. I still have not watched that yet. Quarterback came out like a couple of weeks ago. That's a, that'll be an interesting show. So I'm excited. It's a fun time. We're finally getting back into the swing of things when it comes to football. And yeah, I'm ready to get in this episode. Yeah. Plenty to watch. I have also not watched quarterback yet. I know Joe Burrow is going to be on the next go around of it, but I still have to watch the first one. I'm excited for hard knocks as well, especially when, you know, HBO is telling the Jets they have to do it and they didn't want to do it originally. I think it's going to be a lot of fun drama to look at with, with the obviously Jets being so highly touted for this upcoming season. But let's get right into it. Um, we're going to focus kind of on four small sections today uh, for this week's episode. Um, I feel like as we move along into the summer, we'll get closer and closer to week one and sort of the rankings change as well. So first order of business, let's talk about our teams to watch for this season. I know this is a fantasy football podcast, but I think we have to start um, just talking about teams that we're looking out for just in terms of fantasy value, um, you know, players that you're looking out for on those teams that could really make an impact. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously on Empire Sports Talk, which we were both on this past weekend, we talked a lot about just, you know, teams in general, but not really so much on the fantasy side. So Ryan, give me your teams that you're excited to watch for the 2023 to 24 season. Um, so yeah, obviously, you know, fantasy oriented podcast. Uh, first team, I'm very intrigued to see how they do fantasy wise is the Detroit Lions. Obviously, they have a lot of hype going around them. They were what they finished six. They won six of their last seven games. They knocked out the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field Week 18 to eliminate them from the <clears throat> eliminate them from playoff contention. Uh, they bring back a lot of their team. They still kept uh, their coaching staff, Ben Johnson, still their offensive coordinator there. Uh, very interested to see what Jared Goff do, does in, a new, in his new, you know, in a new season. They have Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a very underrated receiver. I think he could take a leap. It's kind of unfortunate they don't have Jamison Williams because I feel like that would be a great combo. They just picked up Jameer Gibbs, who is, you know, I've heard a lot of comparisons saying that he's like Alvin Kamara-esque where he is a running back, but he's a very dangerous pass catcher. They also added David Montgomery, who is a very solid running back. I'm curious to see 
you know, how that whole offense works. And then they also drafted uh, rookie tight end Sam Laporta. So they have a lot of offensive weapons. I, I'm i generally curious to see how well they do. They do play in a – I don't know if it's a weak division or just a very unknown division because there's a lot of teams who have the potential to make the playoffs. Like, obviously, I think they're the favorites, but, you know, the Vikings made it last year. They still have talent. Who knows how good Jordan Love is with the Green Bay Packers? And then could Justin Fields take that, you know – leap as a passer and just will the bears in the playoffs that's also a possibility so that's a team i'm intrigued by in the nfc i think i'm intrigued by them in general um i'll go with the afc now and i I guess we'll stick with the new york theme uh if you were gonna say the jets Uh, i'm intrigued how the jets work uh you know i'm i am skeptical of the jets uh i'm not i just think they play in a very tough division to where i don't know how well they're gonna play this year but they do have Aaron Rodgers, who is inarguably one of the three to five greatest quarterbacks of all time, playing on their roster. Reese Hall will be coming back from injury. You get year two, Garrett Wilson. Alan Lazard comes over from the Green Bay Packers. How there's potentials they signed Dalvin Cook, but we won't talk about speculating free agent signings. But they have a lot of pieces in a new offense. They also got a new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, formerly the Bears head coach, or Broncos head coach, excuse me and Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. So how will they all mesh together in that offense? And I think there's a lot of boomer, there's a lot of boomer bust potential with that team as a whole. So I'm intrigued by those two teams. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> two really good picks there, Ryan. Um, for me, I'll start um, also in the NFC. I know this is sort of your team that you've mentioned time and time again on the airways, but I want to bring them up. Uh, for me, it's just the most intrigue. I'm not going to say this is a team that's maybe make the playoffs we don't know yet um just with the amount of upside on this team is the atlanta falcons um i think you know starting from the top you look at the quarterback position obviously they, they signed taylor heineke um they hope that desmond ritter is the guy going forward um i think you know this preseason and then the first couple weeks are, are, are huge for him in order to establishing himself as potentially being a franchise quarterback in atlanta um and they've been able to surround him with so many just elite weapons i mean start starting with running back Bijan robinson you know, probably the best running back prospect since Saquon Barkley was drafted years ago. He's the complete package. Um, I know in baseball, you call him like a five-tool player. I consider him like a five-tool running back. You know, he can run, he can catch, he's strong, he's elusive. He's got every, all the categories you'd want in a franchise running back. And obviously we know how weird and volatile the running back market is. So to get someone, you know, this young, um, obviously not making a ton of money just yet, I think is huge. Um, And even last year, I mean, your guy also, uh, Tyler Algier, Right, he wasn't a thousand yard rusher last year. Thousand yard rusher last year. Yeah, and, and it's just unfortunate for him because he could have been, you know, the bell cow again. But then they draft Bijan Robinson, so now you know he's not going to really get as much touches. Cordell Patterson is still there as well. Um, but then also the two other big weapons is Drake London now in his second year. Um, I mean him and Chris Olave are a part of this young receiving core now in the NFL. He's going to look to take another step forward. And Kyle Pitts, who's really I think underperformed so far. Um, his career, my people are already going to say he's a future first bout Hall of Famer when he was coming out of the draft, you know, coming out of Florida, I believe. Um, but then, you know, it really just hasn't panned out yet. I think a part of it has been the quarterback troubles, getting in that that rhythm to be that level of a tight end. But this is a good first year to have. Sorry, what were you going to say, Ryan? I just want to say, in regards to the comments, because I have heard the comments saying that he is a bust. I will say anyone who gets a thousand receiving yards, I think it was also in his rookie season. I don't think you can declare him a bust. It was obviously Arthur Smith has been 
publicly known as a anti-fantasy guy. He's someone who doesn't care about your fantasy football team. And, you know, it is what it is. But I, I has Kyle Pitts, un, you know, under not underperformed, but, you know, hasn't exceeded expectations or lived up the expectations? Yes, but I, I would say if you call him a bust, that's a stretch because there are definitely been higher profile, you know, I don't know if disaster is the right word, but just failures or I don't even know if that's the right word, but you get what I'm saying. There's been higher profile players who have been drafted that high, who just weren't even coming close, but Kyle Pitts was a pro bowler year one. He was a thousand yard receiver. I think he, if he, if they find the right way to utilize him or at least utilize him more to benefit himself, I think people won't have those comments. I just want to say that about Kyle Pitts. You can continue on your point. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll add with the Falcons before I go on to my AFC team is I think drafting Bijan Robinson is only going to help him, you know, take some of the pressure off um, being that, you know, big of a presence in the offense. Obviously, you have to worry about Drake London. I mean, some of the other weapons, obviously not to their degree, but they still have Matt Collins, Scott Miller, there's a couple other receivers um, in that court. Cordell Patterson will probably be maybe be used a little bit more as a receiver now um, with, with Bijan Robinson and Algier still there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a big year for Kyle Pitts. Um, but at the same time, he's got to have a good quarterback, and Desmond Ritter's got to be the guy for them to really have this offense and team really go anywhere this season. Um, and just real quick on the defense, too. I know Jeff Okuda just got hurt. That was a big acquisition for them. Um, for me, I mean, I see former Steeler Bud Dupree, Calais Campbell. Um, you know, there, there's some intriguing names on that defensive core as well. And for fantasy purposes, Young Wei Koo is an absolute dog. I love him as a kicker in fantasy. He actually did pretty well for me last season as well. Switching to the AFC. Uh, similar to the Falcons, I, I like picking teams that maybe – this team's definitely not making the playoffs. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure of it uh, going into this season. Um, they're not in the greatest division, but a team with a ton of intrigue for me is the Houston Texans. Um, this is obviously C.J. Stroud's team now getting drafted that high for you know the Texans. He's going to be competing with Davis Mills at first for snaps, but I think obviously Stroud should be you know the quarterback going forward for this team. I'm super high on Damian Pierce, who had a pretty good season last year. Um, I think a little under a thousand yards. I think this is really going to be a year for him to to break that. Um, they beefed up the offensive line. They're starting to surround him with more weapons. So I think Damian Pierce is in for a really big year on, on this Texans team and should help Stroud out if he struggles out of the gate or at all. Um, for me, I'm also high on Nico Collins, who's probably I guess the one right now. I know they drafted Tank Dell. They have a couple other guys. They have John uh, Mechie. They have Robert Woods after Brandon Cooks leaving and everything. They have Dalton Schultz, a former Cowboys tight end. So this is a team, again, with a ton of intrigue. They're not making the playoffs. I'd be shocked if they made it this year, especially in a loaded AFC. And on defense as well, you know, they drafted Will Anderson as well. And, you know, they have some intriguing names on that defensive course. So those are my two teams that I'm really going to be probably paying attention to the most in terms of teams with some fantasy players. Um, the Bijan Robinson thing, you mentioned that the owner of the Falcons doesn't care about fantasy. I mean, people that have taken Bijan Robinson in the first round, which is where he should be going in, in pretty much every draft, that's kind of the grain of salt you're going to have to use. I know today there was a rumor that, oh, he's the third string running back on their depth chart online. That's the type of stuff you're just going to be dealing with with this organization, unfortunately. I still think he's going to be, you know, he's a top five running back already, um, and he has the ceiling for that this season for sure. And obviously if you're in a dynasty league, drafting him that high can only do you uh, good things going forward. So, second order of business on the docket for tonight. Let's go straight into the fantasy sleepers. Ryan, obviously, you are notorious for some very, very big, deep-cut names in the fantasy community, and you've been able to use them in a lot of the leagues we've been in um, you know, to, to a pretty successful degree. I know Tyler Algieri was your guy last year, so give me some names you're uh, keeping on the radar for this season. 
So, yeah, uh, big the number one big radar guy I want to point out right now, and I'm so he's projected to go average ADP is 55.7 according to Sleeper, which is uh, I'm going to do some quick math 5, 10, 15, 20. I think he, around fit, wide receiver 15 to 20. And I think he's been criminally underrated for at least the past couple of years. That is Amari Cooper of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I didn't mention them as a team of you know, intrigue, but they are a team of intrigue in terms of just in general, because I think they have a lot of talent on their roster, but Amari Cooper in general, uh, it will be, he, you know, he's going to be in this offense. He's going to be the number one receiver, which he hasn't experienced since coming to, since, uh, since he was back in, I guess, Vegas or Oakland back then, but he's with Deshaun Watson, who, while yes, he isn't, you know, we, we don't know what the jury's out on him, but I think his ceiling is a top five to seven quarterback in football last season with the influx of, you know, just the team in general and the quarterback situation. He finished with almost 1200 yards, nine touchdowns, 78 receptions, very good stats. I think if Deshaun Watson is as good as advertised, I think this could potentially be Amari Cooper's best season as a pro, which is crazy thing about he'll be turning 29. Uh, But I, I like him as a, you know, low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, because I think, you know, I think he'll get the targets. And I think the Browns will be, if they're as good as I think they could be and as talented as they actually are, I think they'll have plenty of opportunities to shine in that offense, especially since there's really no other receiver who will contest them as the number one receiver. They obviously have Nick Chubb running the ball, but I'm talking about in terms of the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're super high on the Browns this year. Amari Cooper, again, I think he's been an underrated receiver for a long portion of his career. I think really ever since leaving, you know, the Cowboys. And I think, again, it all comes down to what they're going to get at Deshaun Watson this year if they're able to really build a good rapport. Um, obviously, they're, they're a run-heavy team. It's Nick Chubb's team, Nick Chubb's offense. So to really take any pressure off him now that, you know, Kareem Hunt's gone, he's, you know, the the only back there of, of, of you know, major notice. I think Amari Cooper could be in for a pretty big year. Um, for me, I'm going to pick two sleepers. Um, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. Damian Pierce, for me, is the guy for the running back position that I think you have to get. Um, because, again, he hasn't been showing off, like, RB1 numbers yet. Um, but, I mean, this is a guy, again, He I think he cracked 900 yards, you know, in 13 games last year. He got hurt towards the end of the season. Um, I think he's going to have at least 1,000 yards this year. They're going to really rely on him because Stroud is young, unproven. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of growing pains, especially when the team obviously isn't going to be expected to do much this year. Uh, Damian Pierce is is a guy for me. Um, I think he's going to have a great year for the Houston Texans. One other name I'll bring up real quick. Um, he is kind of – what should we call it? Yeah, there he is. There, there is one guy in particular – um, when I think about receivers, I, I think of Amari Cooper, you know, real quick, I, I'm high on Christian Watson this year. He's not my big sleeper, but I think that's kind of implied. He broke out the end of last season, had that absurd touchdown run, and now he's kind of solidifying himself as a big one or two in Green Bay um, with Jordan Love being at the helm now. Uh, but for me, looking at receivers, there's a guy. Yeah, there he is on the Washington Commanders. We always talk about Terry McLaurin. That's still his team. I'm not saying this guy's going to overtake him at any point. I am super high on Jahan Dotson of the Washington Commanders. Had a, a decent first year last year in, in Washington. Um, I think now with Sam Howell quarterback, I think he's due for a, a big upgrade this year. Um, you know, with, with the way the offense is constructed on that team, obviously, you know, about the running room. Um, I think, you know, 
Hal was going to be relying on McLaurin and him a whole lot. I think there's games where McLaurin could get double or triple team because they know he's the best weapon by far on that team. And I think a guy like Jahan Dotson could be a really good two. I know that Curtis Samuel's still there and a couple other guys, but I'm super high on Dotson for this season. And again, he's super young and he's only like 23 years old as well. But no, there's a couple more sleepers I actually want to – I'll throw a few more out for you. So running back position, I don't know why he's falling this slowly on eight, on just average ADP. That's Joe Mixon. Uh, right now he's you know running back 10, it looks like. Actually running back 15. 58 ADP, actually lower than Amari Cooper's. Um, obviously the, in, the, big, the concern with him has always been the injuries, but last season he finished as – running back 10 and while he, you know, running back 10 and that was with Samaje Pirine on the team. Pirine is no longer there. I believe he went to Denver. I forget where he went, but Samaje Pirine no longer on the team. There's no one really to contest him as that running back too. Obviously the big concern with him is his health, but when Joe Mixon's healthy, he is a solidified running back one. And the fact that he's going, you know, no offense to guys like Jameer Gibbs or, Najee Harris or you know players of that sort I just think that Joe Mixon could finish as potentially an RB as a top five running back this year in fantasy and the fact that you could get him if you're playing a standard 12 team league back half of the fourth round early half of the fifth round I think that's excellent value especially if you do go wide receiver number one or you like taking quarterback very early I think if Joe Mixon stays healthy which is obviously the key uh I think he's a very good uh player. And then I'm going to, you said I'm known for deep cut names. I'm going to give you two, two young guys who I think can propel themselves. One, I'm more confident than the other, but I like both regardless. I think at wide receiver, I'm going Alec Pierce of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he, you know, you know, he had a solid rookie year. Wasn't anything spectacular. 41 receptions, uh, 593 yards, two touchdowns. But you have to remember that was with an influx of quarterbacks, uh, you know, it was Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger played a couple of games, so did Nick Foles. This year, even even with, you know, you know the growth he needs to make, Anthony Richardson from day one is probably better than all three of those quarterbacks were last season. I think, you know, he definitely has the cannon to air it out. I think Pierce can be a deep threat for that team. I think Michael Pittman's going to be more of like the underneath, you know, route runner specialist player. I think if you want over the deep threat, I think Al Pierce is going to be that for them. And I've been hearing reports that they've been doing well in camp together. You know, they've had a good, a nice little rapport going. So I think even if he is still the number two receiver in Indianapolis, I think he can easily put up, you know, 800 yards with six touchdowns, which, you know, if you're, you know, if you're just looking for a depth piece or even he could be a flex option, I think that's good value. And especially with how low he's going right now, uh, I'll give another stat right now of where he's going. 184th, which is the, I don't know that round, but it's almost in the 200s, which means he's going to be available basically in the back, the back of the end of the draft, which I think if you're going to take a gamble on a guy like that, I think with the production he is capable of doing, I think that's good value. And then also another sleeper, rookie running back, Roshan Johnson. Not a lot of people know about him because he was the backup to be Sean Robinson, but Roshan led the, led the entire FBS in yards after contact last season, he was even better than Bijan himself. He is a bruiser of a running back at 6'2", 220. He averaged six yards a carry. You know, if he was playing anywhere but Texas, he'd be a solidified 
probably first sixth round talent. When, and, you know, I like Khalil Herbert. I've always been a Khalil Herbert guy, but I think Roshan's skill set of being kind of an in-between the tackles, kind of more of a bruiser is different than Herbert. So I think he can differentiate himself there. And I've always been the belief if you're talented enough, you'll break through. We saw that with Tyler Algier last year where he was slow to start, but really in that back half of the year, he became really the 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 lead back there. And he got, he was very productive fantasy-wise. So I think I could see a similar avenue with Roshan Johnson this year with the Chicago Bears, even with Herbert and Justin Fields as a running threat. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super high on, on Johnson as well. I mean, we saw what he did at the college level and – you know, I, I like Tyler Algier as the comp, too, because I remember um, you were high on him to start the season. He, again, did not start off great, but that second half of the year, he really made some noise. That's why, you know, if, if you're from his perspective, watch them draft Bijan Robinson. It's like they, they gave the keys to another guy right after you just showed that you could be a potential RB1 in Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to watch and, you know, change things up a little bit. Uh, I want to go actually to... Talk about our, our fantasy sleepers. Let's talk about some fantasy busts that might happen for this season. I think it, it's pretty bad to talk about. There's a couple that immediately jumped into my mind um, as we were going down our list of sleepers because for every sleeper, there's also you know a bust, a player that's probably not going to do well according to their ADP, and there's always people that are, are overdrafted each and every year. Um, so, Ryan, right away, are there any guys that you think of um, when, you, when you think of busts for this year, guys that you will not go remotely near in any of your drafts? Uh, you know, what are some of those names? Uh, first name that really sticks out to me, uh, just looking at the list, Keenan Allen, ADP of 50, uh, has really struggled to stay healthy. And when he's played, I feel like when Keenan Allen in his prime was elite at, you know, route running and kind of creating separation, having that big catch radius, I feel like his biggest skill set, his route running ability has just been hampered by all of his lower body injuries. Uh, Right now with an ADP of 50, that is ahead of guys like Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, aforementioned, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Christian Watson, just to name a few. I think those guys will finish better than him. Uh, I just don't see him really staying healthy, and even he does stay healthy. They have Mike Williams on that team, who's the deep ball specialist. They picked up Quentin Johnson, who I'm very intrigued to see what his role in the offense is going to be. Obviously, they still have Austin Eckler as a pass-catching threat. I just think as a fifth round selection it just it it seems like name value alone is really carrying that yeah i I think i i have to agree with you there um i just think there's a lot of things that could go wrong this year um for him and obviously he's i think he's past his prime and he's he's getting towards that later stage later stage excuse me of his career i'm gonna throw a couple names out there too and then we'll go back to you ryan if there's any more um for me i know people are going to take sort of, you know, gambles with him, depending on where he's going to go. He's dropping a lot in drafts. I'm not big on Alvin Kamara this year. Um, I Maybe people are still going to be drafting him towards, you know, the first half of the draft. Um, he's obviously out for the first couple of games due to the suspension. But this is a Saints team that's trying to to add more running backs to that room. Jamal Williams got signed in the offseason. They have rookie uh, Kendra Miller, as I say his name. They were supposed to get Kareem Hunt today. I don't know what's going on with that. Apparently the Colts might... Uh, come in and, and swoop him. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Saints go after maybe Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette, who's still on the market. It looks like they're trying to add one more running back to an already crowded room um, to, to replace you know that production that Kamara brings. Because again, once he comes back, because he's not out for that long, I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, obviously, Jamal Williams is the touchdown guy, guy you can use in the red zone. 
They obviously have the rookie and Kendra Miller. There's just a lot of mouths to feed there. And if you're going to draft him that early, I feel like you need more of a surefire bet. So I'm not high on him at all this year. Um, another name, which this guy is sliding for some reason. I know some people might, I guess, call him underrated at this point, at least in our draft that we had already, Ryan. People were kind of surprised he went late. Is Debo Samuel. Um, I hate what's going on with the San Francisco 49ers in their quarterback room. It's so unreliable and it's so risky. Obviously, the Niners are, you know, one of the top teams in, in the NFL. And obviously, if they were in the AFC, I think it'd be a different story, honestly. But because the NFC is a little bit weaker. Um, a lot bit weaker. Yeah, it's a lot. So I think it really makes a difference because, you know, this is a team. Obviously, Brock Purdy was the guy last year. But, you know, there's Sam Donald. There's Trey Lance. We don't know what's going on. So Christian McCaffrey is going to get all the touches there. The number one passing option is McCaffrey and George Kittle. Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk broke out last season. I feel like Debo Samuel is starting to become the odd man out there. So I would not draft him high if you have the chance to. Even in our league, people were drafting Brandon Ayuk over him, which I wouldn't be surprised if most leagues kind of go that route because I really think, you know, it, it's it's not a good sign to see guys like that. Obviously, the injury concerns are always a problem. I feel like this guy is always hurt. Um, so those are just two guys that I had. Are there any more that you had, Ryan, before we move on? Yeah, and I like – I. I... You know, I agree with you. I'm skeptical on Debo Samuel because his role seems kind of in flux with Christian McCaffrey because a lot of what Debo did, you know, both lining out, lining up on the outside, but also playing running back just seems kind of not needed with Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey can do that stuff. Now, obviously, I will say this. Christian McCaffrey has also have dealt with a litany of injuries. So, you know, if he gets hurt, maybe then that's where Debo Samuel can shine. But right now, I agree with you. I don't. You know, I don't like him as ADP. Maybe if it's more of like a touchdown league emphasis, maybe you would go with him because but I don't know. I'm not high on him either. Another guy who I think is not really worth his ADP right now is Miles Sanders of the Carolina Panthers uh, was from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, had a very good season. A lot of people were lowing him because uh, in the previous year, he uh, infamously failed to score a touchdown. He did very well last year, uh, finished as at. Uh, running back, you know, just outside, he finished 15 in PPR ranking, 10 in standard ranking, um, rushed for uh, 1,200 yards, uh, 11 touchdowns. But I think a lot, especially the touchdowns, was really beneficial because of the, uh, the team he was on. Uh, Eagles had one of the best offensive lines in football. Uh, he wasn't really the main focal point. You know, they have Dallas Goddard, or not Dallas Goddard. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside. You have Dallas Goddard at tight end. Jalen Hurts is obviously a threat running the ball. I just think now, and Miles Sanders was kind of on the, you know, you'll let Miles Sanders beat you, I guess was the philosophy some teams would take. Now you look at where he's going in Carolina. Obviously, they have Bryce Young, who they hope is a very good quarterback, but offensive line's really not that good. They don't have a whole lot of weapons. And I can see a lot of teams against, a, a, you know, a, a you know, not great Panthers offensive line really stacked the box, which can limit Miles Sanders's, you know, you know, yardage. And then obviously the offense isn't going to be great. So there's not going to be as many red zone opportunities. So, you know, right now, average ADP, I believe is 69, 68, 69. Uh, I don't, I will say this. I don't really love the running backs behind him, but that, cause that's where you kind of get in what I like to call the no man's land where a lot of times, you know, you're in like the seventh or eighth round and you, if you need a running back, you you look at the board and you're like, wow, I need a running back, but I don't like any of these running backs. And I could see someone trying to draft Miles Sanders in the hopes he can reach that production. I'm just not a fan of it. I, I've also 
historically kind of been lower on Miles Sanders the most, but that's that's another fancy kind of potential bust I could see. Yeah, I've never been high on Miles Sanders. I think in all the years of me doing fantasy football, I don't think I've ever actually owned him as a as a fantasy owner. I just I never liked the situation in Philly. Obviously, they used a bunch of backs like you know you were kind of referring to. Um, I'm just not a big fan of him. I never have been. Uh, maybe it'll prove me wrong for this season. I'm gonna have one more player. This one's a little spicy. I, I I'm looking through sort of the ADPs here, and I, I'm not gonna say this guy's gonna be a bust. He's not going to be. But a guy I think you really have to be careful with. Because um, I think what happened to J.K. Dobbins last season, um, he was getting drafted super high, you know, the injury concerns and everything. And, all right, I'm a little skeptical of Brees Hall this year. Now, let me give you the reasoning. Obviously, coming off a torn ACL, that's the worst injury a running back can have. Um, you know, who knows if he's going to be the same. Before that injury, I think he was already cementing himself as easily a top 10 running back in football. Um, he looked phenomenal as a Jet. He would look to really be a key part of that offense with, with uh, Garrett Wilson. And he says he's fully healthy. But I'm going to say um, you can already see the Jets are looking at other running backs to really support that room. I think take the pressure off Hall to not really allow him to be that 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 full, you know, range of motion for that offense. Obviously, Dalvin Cook might be a Jet as well. And if you have him in there, they might split that time up entirely. Um, I think they're going to really ease him into the season, especially the first couple weeks of the year, um, you know, this is a guy again. That's such a bad injury. I could see early on the production really might not be there. Maybe he kicks into a second gear in the second half of the season. Also, we have to keep with a grain of salt just the Jets as a whole this year. Um, I mean, I think the Jets. We argued about this already. Are probably going to make the playoffs. It's actually going to be tough because they have a tough schedule. But um, I think the hype with some of these players kind of have to be cooled down a little bit. I think Garrett Wilson is rightfully hyped because he does have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. He looked good without a good quarterback last year. But when you come off a bad injury, when Dalvin Cook might be a Jet, um, I think we kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit on Brees Hall for redrafts um, because, you know, that it's so volatile. I just keep thinking what happened to J.K. Dobbins. And while I do think Brees Hall is much more talented than J.K. Dobbins, um, when you have a bad injury like that so early in your career, anything can happen. I mean, Saquon took years to really get back to a level that he's performing at right now. So I'm just taking Brees Hall with a grain of salt this year because I don't really know what's going to go on. And maybe Hard Knocks will tell us more about what's really going on in the running back room, and maybe they'll sign Dalvin Cook. Maybe they won't sign Dalvin Cook, but I still think the Jets are going to be looking at some other options to take the pressure off Hall and make sure he does not get hurt again if they want any chance of making the playoffs. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, you mentioning that just made an interesting point. So I I don't I, – I, I get what you're saying, but I always just say, you know, football is such a weird sport with injuries that a lot of times you – I've always gotten the mindset of just – not throw injuries out the window, but if the guy's just more talented, I think, you know, I think you should try getting the more talented guy because you can't predict injuries. So why try pretending to and pass on a guy like that? But it's interesting that, you know, Brees Hall right now, average ADP 36, which would put him at running back number 10. But a guy who had a very similar situation to him last year, and I think it's a very similar just career situation in general, Javante Williams last year, towards ACL early in the season. He is projected to be drafted ADP 87. I, I don't get why Brees Hall, like, I, I'm confused, and I, I want you to kind of help me on this. Why is Brees Hall, who had a monster rookie, monster rookie campaign before he got hurt, tears ACL, I think he tore his ACL later than Javante Williams did, if I'm not mistaken. I think he did it in week he six did. or something, and mm-hmm. I just want to double check. 
he tears it. He tears his ACL in week seven. So he plays seven games. He was great in those seven games, but he gets hurt. Javante Williams, who had a very good rookie campaign, just uh, just a bit under a thousand yards, uh, with nine oh three. I guess a little more than a bit, but nine oh three rushing yards, four TDs, uh, four and a half yards per carry. Had played four games, tears ACL, and he is now he's the difference between those two is almost 60 or 50, 60 spots. I'm confused by that because I think if you're looking at the players in front of him, I would, I would take the gamble of Javante Williams over Miles Sanders, DeAndre Swift, even in that Philly offense, Cam Akers, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, James Conner. So I'm, I, this, I guess, is a question for you. Why is one kind of being projected like he was, but the other one isn't? Is it just people are that down on the Broncos offense, which – I think people are too down on them because I do think Sean Payne's a good coach. I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I just noticed this looking at what you were saying that made me think of it. Yeah, I think there's a like you kind of brought up all the the good reasons for that. Um, I mean, yeah, Javante was getting drafted high before the injury. Um, I just think also it's kind of like word of mouth in the fantasy community that like it was a bad injury. Um, and and again, because he's playing on the Broncos, I know Sean Payton's there. Russell Wilson was terrible last season. Um, I think everyone just kind of down on the Broncos in general. I know, I guess I, maybe some people are think that Sean Payton can really turn around and make Russell Wilson into what he was a couple of years ago. I'm not one of those people, but I think that's also a part of it. Um, and one thing I'll mention too is obviously Brees Hall is uber talented. And uh, I mean, he, he, before the injury, he was phenomenal. The big thing for me, in addition to the injury, like, which is not the main reason why I brought him up. Um, I just don't like that. I mean, if they sign Dalvin Cook and Dalvin Cook stays healthy, I mean, Dalvin Cook is a top ten running back in football when he's healthy, in my opinion. I know you're super low on him. Um, I, I'm, I think Dalvin Cook is still a great running back. When you have two of those guys, I think things get dicey in terms of fantasy production. Um, that's a big thing for me. That's why, like, when you look at some of the top running backs in the league, like, I mean, he's obviously not these caliber running backs, but I mean, McCaffrey's the whole Niners offense. Nick Chubb's the whole Browns offense. You know, the list goes on and on. Um, whenever there's a huge other, you know, mouth or two to feed, it kind of worries me, and especially of a player like Dalvin Cook, if he does sign with the Jets, um, and I think the Jets might even go after someone else too. Just combat with that, I think, was a reason for me to just be a little bit skeptical of of Brees Hall this season, depending on who's on the board. But yeah, I mean, you talked about some of the running backs in between him and Williams. I think I would I would take every single running back. I would I would take Williams over any running back that you mentioned. I mean, I'm not big on Cam Akers. Um, I never was. I, I know he looked good at the end of the season, but the Rams just don't move me this year. Um, and there's some of the other guys you mentioned, too. But, yeah, I think it's just people are super low on the Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson was brutal last year. Maybe he will be better. Um, but then, I mean, even if he's bad, though, like they'll rely on Williams more this year to come back. I know they have Samaj P. Ryan now, um, who's just a really good handcuff. I mean, he was good when, when Mixon went down with injury as well. But I think that's probably my answer to it. It probably makes the most sense. Just just to say, I mean, the Broncos, people are just down on them this year. Yeah, and I will say this. The Dalvin Cook thing, I think there's a reason he hasn't been signed yet. I just, he wasn't great, like, he wasn't great last year. I think if he was really as, like, I think if he still held the reputation or the pedigree that I think some people still hold him to, like the top 10 running back, I think the Vikings would have done everything in their power to have kept him, whether that's restructuring his contract or whatever. The fact that they let him go, couldn't get anything for him let him go and it's beginning of august and he's still not signed i i think i think i think it means something uh 
so yeah, that that was. I don't think the Dalvin Cook thing is really a concern because I just don't think he's up to his par what he used to be. I I agree with that, but at the same time, like you don't think if the Jets do sign him that that could affect Brees Hall's production at all. Like I feel like it will, at least even a I, little bit. The thing I go well, the thing I'll say is, I know the situation's a bit different, but if you looked at the Browns when they had Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt was healthy and still productive. Nick Chubb was still a top 10 running back. So I know that the, the Jets will probably pass the ball more than the Browns did. So, But I just think – I think there's a way that you can have two running back committees work well in fantasy. I think even like even for Zeke being dropped, him and Tony Pollard were a very good combo. I think Zeke was a top 20 running back, I want to say, in fantasy last year. I know Tony Pollard was very good, unless I'm – I don't want to speak wrong if I – so he, he finished as – Running back 22 last year, Zeke did. And that's a very pat, and that was a pass heavy offense in Dallas. I think that they could make it work if that was the case. So I'm not concerned. I'm more concerned that he gets re injured again or he take, or like you said, Saquon Barkley took a long time to recover. That's my main concern with him. I think if he's fully healthy and Dalvin Cook's on the team, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. I just think, though, like even if he is fully healthy, the Jets are going to be cautious with him, at least early on. Um, I mean, second half of this season, he'll probably get going. But if if they have Cook, um, I mean, I still think gonna, he's, he's still going to get his reps, uh, Hall. But I think, you know, I don't think they're going to let him be a bell cow or anything. But I think that is a good point you brought up, that um, there is a chance that the two-back committee could work. Um, there's obviously, I mean, you talk about some other Jets running backs. There's really no one else I think that could contend. I mean, Michael Carter was supposed to be the guy that was going to be a, a backup before now all the, the Dalvin Cook rumors came about. They had Zonovan Knight last year. So just just an interesting situation, and I mean, the, he, Brees Hall is definitely just a wild card for me this year because anything with a torn ACL um, is a little bit scary, at least to me. But let's go to the last segment of the show and wrap things up. So this is a question I guarantee I don't think anyone's probably ever really talked on about this show, but me and Ryan have some personal connection to this. We're currently in a dynasty football draft right now, um, and for me, this is my first time doing it with this format, um, and I've been doing fantasy football since I was eight years old. Um, I have never drafted. Actually, I take that back. I did do it once. I did it last year, but I really didn't pay attention that much. Um, this is my first time doing IDPs. And for those of you who don't know what IDPs are, those are individual defensive players. These are players, um, you know, usually in fantasy football, as you, I'm sure you're well aware, you draft the defense and special teams. You get points for the whole unit. And, you know, there's obviously like there's teams like the 49ers that are always really good. Um, there's been years past. Some teams are obviously a lot better than others. They have a, you know, a, a big reputation for it. But for IDPs, you're drafting individual, you know, defensive linemen, linebackers, defensive backs. Um, you really have to know your stuff. You have to know these players well. Um, obviously, you know, it's just hard to gauge sometimes. Like, how do you pick um, a guy like TJ Watt, who's coming off, you know, the bad injury and it wasn't himself the last part of the season, but had the crazy year before that over a guy like Micah Parsons, who's looking to start, you know, a huge year in Dallas. He's younger than Watt. Um, and he's trying to add more to his game and be more of a tackle as opposed to just sacking people. So I think it's just a discussion we need to talk about right now. Ryan, what are your thoughts on IDPs? Do you think, you know, sources like ESPN and Yahoo, obviously there's the customary format of the quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, tight end, flex, you know, kicker, that whole you know, feel and everything. Do you think that you know, these companies should start promoting IDPs more? Obviously, a lot of people you know, do them. But it's not to the degree of what the normal, you know, 
roster limit usually is, should people invest in IDPs? See, I, I get the pros and cons of both. So obviously with defenses, it's not, it's really, there is some skill involved, but a lot of times you could just play it off of matchups. Like, oh, the, I'm trying to think of an example, but the Tennessee Titans are playing the Houston Texans this week. Houston doesn't usually have a good offense. Well, Tennessee plays the Kansas City Chiefs next week, so I'm going to drop them. But they got me 18 points last week, and they're going to give me negative four. It's very volatile. It, there's really not a whole lot of skill involved. Uh, usually, you, you spend your last draft pick on a defense because it's the defense, and also that's the one thing. Uh, but I will say IDPs, are, it's a bit weird because obviously I think, you know, there's more knowledge to be known because you need to know who our good linebackers are. But I think the issue that is involved, and I, I'm, I like that you mentioned Micah Parsons. So IDPs are based off positioning, but positionings in NFL aren't always exactly lined up with roles and teams. So Micah Parsons is a has tr- been an edge rusher. I know he wants to expand to being a linebacker, but a, like a more traditional, like, you know, in the box off ball linebacker. But he's a, he's he's an edge rusher and he's one of the best ones in the league, probably top three at worst. But Michael Parsons in our league is listed as a linebacker. Now, he's not going to get 140 tackles, but he'll get like he'll get 13, 14, 15 sacks, maybe even more this season. But because he's not getting those astronomical tackle numbers, but said he's getting sacks, his value is going to be worse and his you know impact in fantasy is lower. Like the number one linebacker was Roquan Smith. But I think if you talk to really any NFL fan, you would say Michael Parsons is a better defensive player, a more impactful defensive player than Roquan Smith. So that's one thing. And two, uh, I I've, I did IDP last year. It was the first year I'd done it. And I think also you can get away with streaming IDPs. Like I remember last year, I forget who I drafted originally linebacker, but I ended up picking up Nick Bolton in like week one or two. or like, And he finished as like a top three linebacker because he just got a lot of tackles. So there is some strategy to be involved with IDPs, but I think their positional value in terms of their actual impact is very skewed, which I don't like about it. Also, that's the same with cornerbacks. Like someone like Sauce Gardner is not going to be valuable in fantasy because he doesn't get a lot of picks, but he's a very elite shutdown corner who won't get the ball thrown to him a lot. So I, I like that, you know, it takes a little bit more knowledge and it takes away the luck aspect or the, just the, matchup cheese of defensive special teams but some players who are really good at their position don't equate to fantasy value which i don't like about it yeah i i think you summed it up i think really good ryan like because for me like i you know we're, we're, we're in our draft obviously and i picked tj wax i'm a steelers fan i was like i need one stealer on my team um but it's just hard like micah parsons was getting like you know, snubbed o- over some other guys. And I'm like, Micah Parsons is a better player than some of these defensive players. And even like, you know, some of our friends in this, you know, Sauce Garner, everyone's a Jeff fan. So everyone's like, oh, we need to pick Sauce Garner. He like has no value because he doesn't obviously get a lot of tackles. The picks aren't there yet. Um, and again, like he's a very, very elite quarter- quarterback in real life. But in terms of fantasy value, it's just not there. Um, like, you know, for linebackers that have the most value, I'm looking at a list right now. You have guys like Roquan Smith, Nick Bowen, you mentioned, 
Um, there's just, you know, Logan Wilson of Cincinnati's up there, Devin White of Tampa, Zaire Franklin of Indianapolis is rose up list as well. And then defensive backs, it's like Derwin James, Jaquan uh, Brisker, Buda Baker, and then defensive linemen is our usual suspects, Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, you know, TJ Watt, you know, sometimes they classify him as a, as a defensive lineman or a linebacker. It's just weird. I think every league is different with it. Um, you know, how you're going to consider them as positions. Um, I kind of like that it takes away the luck part because um, I think, in, first of all, in fantasy, I want to just contradict a little bit you said before. Um, there's a, like one or two defenses every year that usually win you weeks, and those are ones that should be drafted higher than the last round, depending on who they are. So I think like outside of like the top, I think I said two, but I think usually for me, I was looking at like three or four, and then after that there's a drop-off, then you can kind of wait to the last pick or two of the draft. But, but for IDPs, um, I just think, you know, it's more for the non, you know, casual fantasy player. Obviously, you really have to do your homework. That You know, there's guys like if you can find like a Nick Bolton early on, you know, it's a steal, can help you in a week. Um, for me, again, I didn't really take it too seriously last year. But I know for this year, if I lose because of like a, you know, a, a TJ Edwards like tackle, I'm going to be pretty upset. But um, I just think it, it does add more to the game. It, it, it really does, you know, cater to people that are taking a little, I guess, a little bit more seriously than just the offensive players. You know, it forces you to, to look at the waiver market a little bit more. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, I also agree that it's just so strange that like big names um, on defense who are some of the best in all of football don't have the value. Like it's like all linebackers because the linebackers get the most tackles. So the guys who get the most tackles obviously have chances of sacks, they have chances of interceptions. Um, it, it just really is, I think, become an issue, I guess, with the scoring. I think also it depends on your league, how you you score tackles and interceptions and sacks, maybe like being able to balance it out a little bit better so that, you know, just having the guy that gets the most tackles isn't the be all end all. Um, but, yeah, I think that was just a good discussion that we had to have. Um, Ryan, do you have anything else you wanted to say before we wrap things up? Yeah, uh, I get what you're saying. The defense part is interesting with, you know, certain defensive special teams, but I've always been in the mindset just – Get la- because I would rather take a flyer on a like okay let actually let's play a hypothetical here so let's say it's the what how, how many rounds are there is it 15 17 I don't know let or I guess we'll just see we'll say we'll say it's a 17 round draft I I let's just say that 17 round draft it's the 15th round you know mm-hmm. I I you know I'm basically gonna fill out my I can choose between the so the 49ers defense who's probably gonna be ranked number one or if they aren't they probably are ranked number one or let's say i take a flyer on like my guy alex pierce alex pierce alex pierce if he becomes a not let's say let's say best case scenario he actually becomes the number one receiver in indianapolis and he's a thousand yard receiver i don't think that's likely to happen but let's say it does i would rather take that guy and risk and risk like not risk losing him or someone else nabbing him than taking the first ranked defense when with my last pick I'll take like the seventh ranked defense. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I understand that. Um, obviously you're taking gambles in the last couple of rounds. Sometimes there are league winners that you get out of you know that back half of the draft. Guys that supposedly have the upside but you know could just fizzle out and really be nothing. But could also again when you league, I just think every year if you are gonna take a defensive early and you're taking the top like two to three. Um, I, I think there is still some value of getting like the 49ers defense with like the 15th pick, 15th round pick, which 
and mostly Zyman. Usually defense like that get taken even earlier just because, you know, people want, like, all right, the number one defense um, and that, like, just a couple I've been in the past. Um, I just feel like if you can get the number one defense in fantasy, like, bar none without any worries, I feel like that's too good value to pass on. Um, same thing. I, I don't get what the kick to do sometimes, but sorry, what are you saying? Well, I'll actually make a point. Well, I'll make an argument. So I think kickers are more easy to track and I think more valuable than defense because the highest scoring defense is going to average you what eight points a week I think like hold on let, let's let's check right now uh so I think it depends on the scoring it depends on the scoring but let's say standard scoring okay so last week for or not last week last year the San Francisco 49ers were the number three ranked defense they're number one ADP right now they averaged Nine points a game. I think it's not bad, but the difference between that and let's scroll down to the let's scroll down to I'm trying to think of middle. Let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are they are middle of the road ADP. I think they are like 15th right now. Yeah, and they finished what? I just I saw like 19th on one list. 19, yeah. So and they got. And they averaged eight points last year. Now maybe now they had a maybe you could say they had a better defense last year and they'll underscore that. But usually, unless the team is like horrific, like I go back to like the Dolphins when they were really bad, or the the Jets when they were like like the Jets when they won two games. Like, but usually you don't have to pick up those defenses because in standard twelve even fourteen team leagues you'll always find a competent defense. So I think the the gap between the elite elite defense and like a stream defense is usually never that high, but for kickers, like Justin Tuck, just yeah, Justin Tucker is automatic, and especially in a league, obviously it's score independent. If you get if you're in a league that gives more points for longer field goals, that's one thing. But a guy who's consistently getting, you know, who can get you double digits, like I've seen, like Justin Tucker, in it, like is you could usually get you a lock, or even Young Way Koo can get you like. Uh, like 12 points or something and that's like usual for them so i think i'd rather do that because also it's not as matchup dependent because justin tucker will kick field goals unless it's like terrible conditions against any team meanwhile a team like the 49ers can get in a shootout with the kansas city chiefs and they get you two points at most or even they get you in the negatives yeah i i i understand that part of the argument again like i agree that like first of all if the defense is not like i'm talking besides like niners eagles like bills um if you're really gonna go earlier than the last round or two um that that's kind of my cutoff and then after that it's like okay then then you definitely wait till the end um but yeah like i think it's just similar to your kickers argument too um, I think they're a little bit similar to what you made them out to be. Obviously, like Tucker. I think of Carlson on the Raiders, too, was a guy who was pretty automatic. McPherson was his rookie year, but I know he had a pretty rough season actually last year by his standards. Um, I just still think, like, the 49ers defense as well, um, they're always a team also that, that's prone to scoring touchdowns on defense that can swing around an entire week. Um, it just, I think it also depends, too. We have to address this, like, who's available in the draft, like, Again, Alec Pierce, like you mentioned, might be available at, at that stage in the draft. Um, if there's really nothing as well, um, I think you kind of just have to see what's best value. If you can get the number one ranked defense 
you know, that late in the draft when there's nothing else that really, you know, you know, intrigues you. I think it's good value. I still think it is. I will say another thing. I think it's easier to predict who good kickers are. Like, yeah, okay, let's let's take this example. A couple of years ago, the best defense in football, it was the 2019-2018 NFL season. It was the Chicago Bears, or they were one of the best defenses. I don't have the data on me to say, like, where they got taken. But going into the year, not many people thought they were going to have the best defense in football or one of the best defenses in football. It was the year they had Khalil Mack. Uh, Kyle Fuller was really good. They had that very good vaunted Bears team, the one that won the NFC North and then lost on the double doink. They were a very good defense. It's hard to predict stuff like that, or or the inverse can happen, where you draft a team that is supposed to be good on paper, but either they just underperform or they're injury-ridden and a lot of their key guys get hurt. So that's why I also think kicker, because – Kickers just more easy to like be traject from a year and year basis. Yeah, I mean, I actually do agree with that part of the argument that you know you're getting out of the kicker, um, and obviously, uh, I mean, there's still injuries to kickers, but also like you talk about the injury factor too. Like when I think of the 49ers defense too, I mean, I think of Bosa, who's like always been hurt for that team. Like if he goes down, that I think changes the trajectory of that defense a little bit when when some of these star players on defense go down with injury. Um, I mean, even for me, obviously they're not a top defense anymore, or really ever worked for the last couple of years. But like the Steelers, like with TJ Watt going down with injury, like he gets hurt. That defense is is, just, I think for me, hard to start in most leagues. Um, just I think we have a couple other pass rushers and a couple other people on that team that that can bring some value. Um, and obviously, like special teams, a whole other scenario. That's just you know the uh, the luck of the draw. Whoever you end up getting a punt return or a kick return for a touchdown, um, but. Like, I, I agree with that part that, you know, you you definitely know you're getting more out of, like, Justin Tucker as compared to the 49ers defense. I will say that. But, again, I'll just stick with outside of the top three. Those are the ones that I see justifying taking a little bit earlier. And, again, I don't even think it's even that much of a wasted pick. And I think you would agree, too. Like, if you, let's say it's 17 rounds and you get the 49ers defense in, like, the 16th round or 15th. You think that's the end of the world, taking them that late in the draft? I always just pick defense last. I would rather take a kicker because I think I can trust a kicker to kick more than I can trust a defense. Like, also, I don't think it. De- it also kind of depends where you. I guess you are in the draft. Like, if yeah. if you're on like the back end of the wraparound in the 16th round and they are available, then sometimes you just take the defense and the kicker last. But if you're beginning of the 16th round, where maybe one or two have gone, like kickers have gone, I would take a kicker. It depends where you're drafting, but. Yeah, and again, I got to like Justin Tucker. People are notorious for taking him earlier, and I mean, like you mentioned, he's been that guy for so long. I know he's getting a little bit up there in age, but if you're gonna take a kicker, it's him. And I think again, for me, like that. Besides that top three, after that, you, you definitely could wait on uh, most defenses and special teams. But that'll do it for this edition of Icing the Ticker. Big thank you to Ryan Henry for his great analysis tonight. I thought this was a really good conversation with a lot of things going on in the fantasy football world. I've been your host, John Height. Be sure to check back in with us next week for all things fantasy sports here at 89.5 FM WSOU. Take care and have a great rest of your day.